I invite you to turn in the Word of God to Luke chapter 9. Find the Gospel of Luke in the New Testament. I'll give you a moment to turn to Luke 9. And the passage that we're going to be considering this morning is one that may be familiar to you, or maybe this is the first time that you are hearing about it. Maybe you're a young person here, somebody coming from a different background. But it is all the same, a very famous story. Jesus has been overwhelmed with people coming to him, desiring to hear his teaching, to receive blessings or healing. But being truly God and truly man, he desires to go have some time alone to pray. And so he goes off into a desolate place, But then people learn where he's at, and it says that whole crowds go to him. Imagine that. He tries to find solitude. Everybody comes, and instead of saying, hey, I'm trying to be alone, it says he spends the entire day preaching to them. Spends the whole day pouring out the goodness of God's word to these people. And then as the end of the day comes, the disciples recognize everyone's hungry, They need food. Let's send them away. And verse 12 says that they tell Jesus, send them away. Because if the disciples simply say it, maybe the people won't listen. They really want to hear Jesus. And Jesus responds in verse 13, you give them something to eat. Now Jesus knows that the disciples do not have what it would take to feed 5,000 men. Who knows how many women and children who are present. But he is causing them to feel deeply their inability to provide an abundance for this crowd. He says, you give them to eat. And they think very naturally at first. They think in terms of how God ordinarily works. They say, we have no more than five loaves and two fish. Unless we're to go and buy food for all these people. And in all probability, they did not have the money to provide for all of those people. And it's at this point that we come to our primary text. Here together with me, the word of God in verse 16. And taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. Let's ask the Lord to bless our consideration this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us the riches of your word and we ask that you would work supernaturally. That you would enlarge our hearts to receive gratefully all that you have done for us, and to look on Christ and to know that through him we have all that we truly need and much more. We ask that you be glorified as we hear and respond to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus was and is truly God and truly man. And as true God, he certainly knows better than anyone, he is more aware than anyone of the fact that the abundance which was about to be given to that huge crowd came not by anything that a mere person could do, but it came from heaven. It was a gift of God. He knew that better than anyone, but all the same, you and I, we ought to know that. And we ought to know that not just about the miracle at that time, but all of the abundance we have on a day-to-day basis. God works more or less indirectly in how he provides for us, but it's God who provides. Jesus was aware of that fact. You should be aware of that fact. As a believer in scripture, 
We ought all to be familiar with passages like the one that we responded to earlier in Psalm 145. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. God certainly provides for the world, but the all of Psalm 145 is looking especially at the covenant people. And when the covenant people receive anything, we are called to recognize that it is from the Lord. Does it not say in the book of James that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights? That is the one who created the sun, the moon, and the stars, the angels. All of these great things come from God. Jesus knew and recognized that fact. We ought to know and recognize that. Even if someone wasn't familiar with the Bible, there is enough light that God has placed in creation that we should feel grateful towards the Lord. Order does not come from disorder. The incredible order that is exhibited in this creation, think the amount of information in a single cell, if you were to print it out, is stacks of phone books. And that's a single cell. Think how many millions you ingest in a single bite of bread. That God has placed order into this world, a demonstration of his intelligence, his power, and the incredibly intricate ecosystems that allow life to flourish by God's hand. We should know it. We should acknowledge it. It comes from God. But Jesus is more than just aware of these facts. Notice, as we saw in verse 16, he lifted his eyes to heaven. He lifted his eyes to heaven. He's not just aware, but he is acknowledging something. This morning, through this text, the Holy Spirit is calling you, especially on this Thanksgiving day, as you are about to receive abundance, lift your eyes to heaven. And to help you in that, I want to set before you two reasons why Jesus lifted his eyes to heaven. Because these apply exactly to us. Though Jesus is in many respects different than you, in these respects, he is the same as you. And the first one of them is very, very simple. To lift your eyes to heaven before receiving the abundance God has provided is an appropriate expression of humility as a creature. This is the appropriate expression of humility as a creature. Now, yes, Jesus is truly God, but having taken to himself our nature, he is also truly man. That means something very important, something very significant. All his earthly life, Jesus suffered himself to receive his food in the same way that you do. Through God's providential hand. When Satan comes to tempt Jesus and tells him to create bread out of rocks, certainly Jesus had the power to do so. He says, no, he will receive whatever he receives from God. And why is that? Jesus came not simply for himself. He didn't need salvation. He is salvation. Jesus came to save us. And so when Jesus offers up this expression of humility, he is offering himself as a substitute for those who are ungrateful. How many times have God kept tabs, and we thank God he's not keeping tabs. He's taken all of our sins and thrown them as far as the east is from the west. But if he kept tabs and he brought up to you at the end of your life all the times you received a single kind of blessing from him, not just food, every blessing, without lifting the eyes of your heart at least to heaven, what number would that be? One of the deepest indictments of the human species is found in the book of Romans. It's found in chapter 1, where it says, Although human beings knew God, they did not honor him as God, 
or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And there is no darkness like the darkness of ingratitude, because every moment you live and exist, have your being, you are being upheld by the fiat of a God who calls all things that are nothing into being. He speaks, and they are made. He continues to will, and they have being. You can't make your hand have being. I'm saying this creation itself can't sustain itself for a day. The food on the table would cease to be if God willed otherwise. Christ presents himself as your substitute, offering his gratitude, an appropriate human gratitude. And it's through faith in him that you are counted righteous. God looks at you and he chooses to receive the believer as though you had been as grateful as Christ. Put that as gravy on all the food today. That you are beloved of God. He doesn't hold the record. You hold the record of all of your faults. And maybe Satan holds the record and he brings them up to you. Christ offers this for us. But not only to be our substitute, also to be our example. And we are called to imitate Jesus. He's truly God. He's also the ultimate human being in the paradigm that we are to be patterned upon. Perhaps to foster in all of us, myself included, a deeper, a richer appreciation this morning of how dependent we are upon God, I invite you to consider a few things. When you read through the Gospels, you have instances where God displays his sovereignty over creation. It's always true, but sometimes he makes it very obvious. The apostles are laboring all night to bring fish into a boat, and they don't catch any. And then Jesus says, throw your net over the other side. And they think, well, that's pointless, but we'll please him. We'll throw it, and maybe he'll learn a thing or two from fishermen. And they throw it over, and they pull up more fish than they've ever seen in a net. God doesn't tell us how he causes fish to navigate water, but he can make them do so. Had he willed otherwise, he could have willed that all the fish for the rest of Peter's life would swim away from the nets. And he could do the same for you individually. He can do the same for a nation. If God wills, he can summon famine. As it says in Psalm 105, verse 16, Before God summoned a famine on the land of Egypt and broke all supply of bread, he first sent a man ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. It was God who summoned the famine. Yes, he uses secondary means. Yes, they are a consequence of living in a fallen world, but they are his means. He has the power to summon them. He has the power to end them. Which one of us in the past year can claim responsibility for the good fortune that we have experienced? Total responsibility. Perhaps you worked, but it's man who works and God who gives the increase. One man plants, another man waters. But you could work and God could choose. And you couldn't raise your fist at him and say, why did you choose not to bless me? We are sinners. By definition, we live upon the charity of God's goodness. We are sinners. And yet there's food in the fridge. We are sinners. The infrastructures that allow the food to come to us continue in peacetime. God expands and contracts the borders of nationalities. The scripture says he sets the boundaries on the nations. 30% of the global supply of wheat 
is located in Russia and Ukraine. Many people this day wonder where they will get their bread in the coming year or at what price they will get it. What did you do this year to maintain geopolitics? What did I do? Nothing except to pray and to trust God, to believe on him who is good to his people, that he's working in the world, that his ultimate purpose is not to make everyone as well as they could be in this time, but to gather for himself and elect people, and then in time to give them everything restored. God is powerful, and he calls us to humility and to acknowledge it, to lift our eyes to heaven and acknowledge before the Lord we do not control these things. And yet he is a Abounding in goodness. Abounding in goodness. Think about these things. Let them fill your heart with joy and with humility. We are approaching, if we have not already hit, 8 billion people on this planet. A century ago, there was no understanding of how we could possibly feed so many people. And yet God has been good to give ingenuity Maybe you've heard of a certain person in the Old Testament, a man named Bezalel. Bezalel is not the most famous person in the Bible, but he's a significant person. God tells Moses, I'm raising up a person named Bezalel, and I am going to give him all knowledge of all crafts so that he might form all the beautiful things in the tabernacle. I'm going to give him understanding of how metallurgy works. I'm going to give him understanding of textiles. I'm going to give him understanding of all the various compounds that make beautiful smelling incense and oil. I'm going to fill his mind with all these things to bless the people. Though God works in more and less indirect ways, he must receive the honor for the fact that ingenuity has been exhibited in the past century. For instance, this one matter of ingenuity, the ability to extract nitrogen from the air, doubled the carrying capacity of world food because of fertilizer. The ability to extract potash and take phosphorus from birds droppings, who would have thought? Quadrupled the amount in total of food that we can carry. People would not have the ability to live in this time. They simply would be born and die. There would not be enough food. And not only are we able through these blessings of God that we are experiencing in this special time, to have more wheat than ever, because wheat can now be grown in places where previously nothing really could be grown. But in more fertile places, now we grow all kinds of other food that used to be occupied with wheat. And so the modern American or North American enjoys the most diverse diet you have ever known in all of history. And then it's not just that, but God has preserved Since 1945, a degree of peace that has never been known in history, where the lanes of shipping have been kept open. In 1860, in this country, the average general store in a city carried 200 products. 200. The average grocery store, we're not even talking Whole Foods, Fries, and Trader Joe's, all next to each other right there. The average grocery store in America carries 40,000 products coming from Malaysia, taking cinnamon from Ceylon, taking beef from Argentina, not just America. We have all of this abundance provided because not just that people have been ingenious, but God has preserved and turned the hearts of kings and rulers because God has willed that many people will be born and perhaps many more would come to know the gospel than people 100 years ago ever imagined. 
God hasn't just put food on your table. He's preparing people you will know for eternity. He has been generous to us, and who knows what he may do in the coming years. None of it is owed to us. We're called to lift our eyes with humility. Jesus lifts his eyes for a second reason. And it's one that we don't have to dwell on as long, though it's no less important. Because I think it becomes much more clear to us. He lifted his eyes because he understood that his father delights in expressions of gratitude. Don't misunderstand that. God doesn't need our gratitude. He's not needy. And a good parent doesn't need their children to thank them in order to be a good parent. But what heavenly father would we have if he didn't delight in his children thanking him? You can't give God any physical thing that wasn't already his. But when you offer praise to him and thanks to him, he delights in that. He condescends to receive it, as imperfect as it is. Our catechism is very clear about this. In question and answer 116 of the Heidelberg Catechism, it asks the question, why do Christians need to pray? And you'll decide today for yourself whether you even pray before your meal. The Bible doesn't mandate it, but it is the example Jesus gives. Why do Christians need to pray? Because prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness God requires of us. The most important. Not the money you might give to God or to some person. Not the words you say to others about him. But to him. To thank him. If we don't have gratitude in our hearts, then what do we have in terms of the light of being changed by the Lord? So this morning I simply want to exhort you especially as you look upon whatever abundance, whether small or great, God has given to you. Lift your eyes to heaven. Let others see, but above all, let God see that we are grateful to him. He has blessed us. Let's ask even now that he would help us as we approach our meal. Our Father in heaven, we thank you and we bless you for the goodness you have shown to us. You have provided every bit of food that we have this day and throughout our whole lives. We cast ourselves upon your wisdom and your goodness for the coming year that you will sustain for your righteous people what is necessary for life. We pray on behalf of your people who are spread throughout the whole world, some of them who, according to your providence, have far less this day, that you would please show mercy to them, Your word promises that you will not let the righteous go hungry. But ultimately, that is fulfilled in this life, that we have received Christ who is true bread, and in the life to come, that there is a feast that never ends, without excess, full of joy. Help us to receive these things in good hope and to share them with others. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.